You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 222. Who cares? With me, as always, is Brandon Lee Galton of BleedingGreenNation.com. I'm Jimmy Kemsky from PhillyVoice.com. The Eagles won a football game. Shh. Yay! <laughs> the season did not completely go into the toilet last Sunday as the Eagles beat the Detroit Lions the now 0-8 Detroit Lions, by the familiar score of 44-6. Brandon, what's going on, buddy? How are you? Jimmy, the season is saved. Everything is okay and right again in Eagles land. No, of course, maybe not quite, but we will get into all of that in a bit. Before we get into the show, Jimmy, everything we have. And tell me tell you, James and listeners, it's a jam-packed show. There's a lot going on. We have a lot to talk about. Uh, But before we get into all that, BGN Radio, brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. Go to RighteousFelon.com, discount code BGN15 for 15% off the best meat snacks and non-meat snacks that you can get. Jimmy, where do you want to start today? Let's start with the news. And uh, let's start with Eric Wilson first, because I think that's the most noteworthy news anyway. Uh, They caught him. Uh, he was one of uh, Howie Roseman's free agent acquisitions this offseason. Didn't sign him right away. They signed him like a week into April. So he wasn't like a priority signing or anything like that. He kind of hung around on the open market for a little while. But that's the linebacker that they chose. And their history of signing linebackers is crazy bad. And uh, you and I think both wrote our Eric Wilson stories uh, at the Novacare Media House, <clears throat> excuse me, when that news broke. And uh, there have been five linebackers since, uh, not including Eric Wilson, since 2018 that have not made it through a full season. And I couldn't even remember them all off the top of my head. I actually had to ask you. I gave you the four that I could think of, and I had to ask you for who the fifth one was. Uh, so why don't you go through, since you're the lineback- the cut linebacker expert, why don't we go through all these names of guys that uh, they've signed during the offseason who were unable to make it through an entire one season. Well, you have Paul Warlow, who mm-hmm. got hurt, and he was kind of brought him back, I think, what, like another time. That didn't work out either because he was still kind of banged up and everything. And Towards ACL during not, OTAs. Yeah. It was actually the first day of OTAs. Um, and the person who ran into him, Jimmy, leads me to my next one, which is Corey Nelson. Because it was Corey Nelson who oh, banged into I didn't know him. That. Okay. Yeah, I, it's it's insane that I like I know this. Like that is something I didn't even <laughs> know I knew until like you know you brought up Paul Warlow and the injury in the first day or or in the OTAs. But um, yeah. So it's Corey Nelson who actually, unlike Eric Wilson, like you just said, 
he Corey Nelson in 2018 was a day one free agent signing, and he didn't he didn't even make the Eagles. I don't even think he made it past the first cut down. I think this was still potentially when they were doing two cuts, or I think they just case, cut him. I don't think he. Yeah. I don't think it was even a cut down. They just cut him right like it on a random like, day. It wasn't like they were going down to the 53 and he got cut. It was like before that even. Um, you know, sometimes they say that in theory is to allow a player to catch on with another team, which I don't know. No, the reality that's not is the case just, there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> he just stunk. The Eagles then signed Zach Brown, who was coming off what some believe to be like a good year in Washington. I remember there was some off, there's like a, a film piece on him about how he was like one of the top linebackers in the league, actually. Um, but didn't last into the Eagles season. Had a very embarrassing moment when he called out Kirk Cousins uh, and, and said, like, basically, they want him to pass the ball right. on their defense in Minnesota and then proceeded to get blown out. And Zach Brown also took, like, no accountability after the game for that statement <laughs> uh, and didn't want to face the heat. And then and they cut him. Was, they cut him right after that. They cut him after that. And then uh, he didn't. He got picked up by like, the Cardinals, I think, and then didn't last with them. Mm-hmm. And then LJ Fort, who was actually the best one of these signings, but the Eagles didn't play him for some reason, and except for on special teams. And I, I always think that the coaching staff gets a lot of heat for that, and I'm not going to absolve them of that because he wasn't playing, and I think it was Nate Gary playing over him. Mm-hmm. But I could, st- I would still say like the front office didn't have to cut him. Like they didn't, even if he's not being used. Like you know. I think at the time, like Nat, Nigel Bradham was hurt or whatever, or, or he got hurt shortly after. We're getting too, I'm in two in the weeds on this, but the point was like the front <laughs> office deserves blame too. It wasn't like their hands should be washed clean of that or clean of that. And then it was Jatavis Brown, who the Eagles signed last offseason. Um, I think you're from the Chargers and he just decided to retire before, yeah. <laughs> before this season. So, uh, I, I think a lot of people were like, well, they, ne- they didn't put big investments into these players. And I can agree with that. And it's not like I'm asking for the Eagles or anyone's asking for the Eagles to find a superstar from that bunch, but you can't even find a guy who lasted the season. Like that seems like a pretty low bar <laughs> right. to clear and they can't even do right. that. Yeah. Yeah. The, but going back to that Warlow injury for a second, just to, as an aside, the one thing, the one messed up thing I remember about that injury was it was during OTAs. It was a rainy day. So they were practicing in the practice bubble and um, he got hurt. Everyone knew it was a very serious injury cart comes in like it's like they play music at the time during practice and they like guy gets hurt they turn everything off um it's silent in there basically for like you know a good five minutes or so cart comes in eventually they get him onto the cart they get him out and then the second his body leaves the practice bubble boom music back on practice right back like in full swing like, it's just so messed up how that kind of works in the nfl but uh <laughs> that's so like he happened. can hear it too i guess yeah, he's being right. carted like into the facility because it's like he's uh, yeah he's not even that far away from as it soon yet. as he gets out the yeah. door boom, boom music's boom, right boom. back on yeah. <laughs> yeah you always like to point that out um, yeah i do i do you, yeah. you, you sick sadistic person i've probably uh, said that on the podcast before yeah uh so that's the Eric Wilson. So yeah, not surprising that they actually cut like getting into the Eric Wilson part of it. Not surprising that they cut him from a standpoint of his playing time had gone down and yeah. he struggled. He was and missing he a lot of stunk. tackles. He was looking lost in coverage. He wasn't bringing anything to the table, which is a little weird from the standpoint of like, I thought there was some, there was some, intri- I get why they signed him. You know, there was some intrigue. He had the connection not only with Jonathan Gannon, 
but I think more so re- relevantly with uh, Nick Rallis, the Eagles linebacker coach. Um, so, you know, I thought it made sense that they took a shot on him. But when you look at all those names, like at the end of the day, like the, there's, there's clearly a longstanding issue here of evaluating that position. Again, like not asking for a superstar, but you like when you're making these signings, you would like you need at least like a guy who can kind of at least make it through the season, maybe at least even help you on special teams or something. And again, they can't even get that. And they actually cited, I believe Nick Sirianni cited special teams as a reason why, you know, they wouldn't just hold on to Eric Wilson because didn't necessarily kind of you know be a, a contributor in that role so uh, it's disappointing i also think there's a little bit too much being made of like oh well actually we cut eric wilson because davion taylor is really coming on here i mean like <laughs> i don't yeah. i don't think that's true i mean i think it as we've talked about before the eagles should be pay- playing davion taylor a lot that is yeah. the correct thing to do right but like not? just because he's getting playing time doesn't mean he's playing well I still think there are plenty of examples, as Johnny Page points out in our all 22 breakdowns on BGN, where he looks like completely lost out there. And maybe, you know, he'll improve with all these reps he's getting. But like, my point is like, pump the brakes a little bit on like, oh, Davion Taylor is just so great. And that's why we had the luxury of getting rid of Eric Wilson. Like, that's a little too like, like team PR spin on it. And like, don't look at this, this bad signing we made. Look at this good young player that we have. But that's how it goes. It's crazy how good his numbers were last year, too. Eric Wilson, like I'm just yeah. looking back here, 122 tackles, three sacks, three interceptions, uh, eight pass breakups, which is a great number for a linebacker, a couple fumble recoveries, nine quarterback hits. So, like, he filled up the stat sheet. Uh, my understanding is, like, those numbers were, um, you know, not indicative of his play on the field necessarily, or else, you know, he would have been, like, a guy that went in free agency on the first few days or whatever. Uh, but yeah, surprising that he was as bad as he was in his first season here in Philly. When the Vikings defense last year was like really bad too. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like he was putting up those numbers on a good defense, kind of been, been you know, kind of like in the NBA. Somebody had it. to get him. Yeah. Yeah. Like a stat <laughs> stuffer kind of, but it's not like meaningful. Um, anyway, that's enough about Eric Wilson. I think, uh, Jimmy, the Eagles made a trade ahead of the trade deadline on, on deadline day. Obviously, you know, they made a couple out of the deadline. If you count Zach Ertz and Joe Flacco, but on deadline day at 416. And I remember this time specifically because I had freaking published my article. Hey, Eagles don't make a move on deadline day, like right at like 405 or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And sure enough, a that's move funny. I didn't realize that happened. <laughs> yeah. Really great stuff. Um, but the Eagles don't trade Fletcher Cox, but they do acquire. Kerry Vincent Jr., Jimmy. Which one of those things do you want to talk about first? Let's do the actual news first, as opposed to the non-news, uh, which is Kerry Vincent. Of course, they the Eagles were buyers at the trade deadline, as it, mm. as it turns out. I get, of course, they traded Zach Ertz and Joe Flacco, so they did sell more guys than they bought. Uh, but anyway, uh, Kerry Vincent, cornerback, went to LSU, slot guy only, and he's got some good athleticism, very fast. He's actually one of the guys that I profiled during my little formerly known as the grocery shopping series, uh, won the seventh round. Uh, oddly enough, he got picked after uh, each of the Eagles' three sixth-round picks uh, this year, and plus Patrick Johnson, who they took in the seventh round, I think. Um, mm-hmm. And they, they then they trade him a six. They trade a six round pick for him. like he went the seventh round. Like how did his his stock improve from the seventh round to the sixth round? Like he made the Broncos roster, which I guess is something, but he didn't actually play any snaps uh, for them this season. So it's interesting that they were willing to give up a six uh, for this guy. Whatever doesn't matter. They now have like an absurd number of cornerbacks on the roster. They have nine cornerbacks mm. on the roster. Like they have acquired like a like an oddball number 
of guys since the they drafted uh, you know Zach McPherson uh, in the fourth round, and then after that they've acquired like six cornerbacks, which I kind of like. I'm actually okay with that strategy of stockpiling these young cornerbacks, and maybe one of them pans out. Of course, you have Avante Maddox and Steven Nelson, who are you know on their final year of their contracts, or Nelson was only one year contract, but they're going to be scheduled to be free agents at the end of the year. Maybe a trade Darius Slay if a decent enough offer comes around this offseason. So I like the strategy; it makes sense. Uh, but you know, obviously, this is a very low level kind of uh, deadline deal trade. He's really fast. I think that's one of the things he had like four three speed uh, mm-hmm. coming out. Um, so you know there is that. Uh, Darius Slay. I should also mention turns thirty one in January. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, yeah, it's something to consider. He's getting older. Uh, you mentioned Stephen Nelson, Devontae Maddox. It's a uh, yeah. I think it's a respectable strategy. I'll give Howie credit here to just kind of take a bunch of flyers on these. Um, that's what they are. They're just like, it's like a lottery pick on a bunch of these guys. And hey, maybe you get one out of something. Although mm-hmm. if it's anything like their linebacker strategy, then, then maybe not. But, um, uh, uh, yeah, I think, you know, so it's, you know, it's Kerry Vincent Jr. now. It's Tay Gowan, who the Eagles got from the Zach Ertz trade. You have Josiah Scott here still. You have Zach McPherson, who you took with a day three pick. And then you also have Mac McCain, who the Eagles signed off the Broncos practice squad. Kind of funny. Like, hey, Something, something the Eagles really like about those Bronco cornerbacks <laughs> right. between uh, Mac McCain and, and Kerry Vincent Jr. So I think it's fine. Um, obviously not supposed to be super exciting or meaningful. Uh, I think you pointed out the fair kind of admittedly nitpicking thing of it where it's like kind of like the Gennard Avery trade. Not exact same thing, but like Gennard Avery is like a fifth round pick and then he doesn't really even play that much in Cleveland. And then you're giving up a fourth round pick to get right. it's like. Is that real? Do you have to do that? He was, uh, he was inactive for like most of their games that year. Yeah. So like, why? Why would whatever? We won't get into the. <laughs> the last we, thing I'll say on that is I think. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm not trying to kill him on it. It's just a, <laughs> it's again, it's a nitpick. I'm admitting it, yeah, yeah, but yeah. it's just it's like it's one of those things that just you know like, like I don't get it. And I think uh, Zach Berman has said this well before. Um, where it's like you're driving a car off the lot and usually the price goes like down like right. instantly right after, and draft picks seem to usually be like that too but for some reason in this case it's not that's like the weird thing about it to reconcile but whatever we can move on from this uh the other thing to to come out of trade deadline day Jimmy was the fact that Fletcher Cox seemed to be available to teams and it was a weird day in that, like, you know, there was buzz about that on Sunday before mm-hmm. the Lions game from Ian Rappaport. But the way he phrased it was like they were taking calls on Fletcher Cox. And then that was even repeated. But it was repeated by someone pretty notable in Jay Glazer, who, like, if Jay Glazer is saying that, that is not just, like, you know, BS or fodder. Like, Jay Glazer is tweeting that out, to me at least, very purposely or purposefully. Um, so I thought that was interesting. And then either like right after the deadline, I think it was, or right before it, Jeff McLean had said like they were aggressively shopping him, quote unquote. So that was, you know, that's a little bit different language than just like merely taking offers as much as they're actually trying to move him, which would have been crazy if they did though. Cause as you pointed out, like the, the salary cap ramifications of that would have been insane. Yeah. Um, see, I like, I thought the idea that they were actively shopping him was pretty clear with the reports that were coming out because it was like, uh, they're, they're getting a lot of calls about Fletcher Cox. Okay. So where's that? Who's that? Who's, who's right. that coming from? You know, obviously from the teams who want from, him because <laughs> they right. don't stand the, they don't stand to benefit from that. Right. It looks the, like yeah. there's a market and the price is going up. Yeah. Right. We want it. We want Fletcher Cox and we're calling about the Eagles, but, uh, <laughs> hey, let's make that known so that, uh, other, so that other teams know they have to up their offers to beat us. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know? So anyway, it, nothing got done. I had written a, an article about how they couldn't trade Fletcher Cox because um, of the contract restructure that they did with him. That was like totally pointless uh, earlier this offseason. Like eight weeks ago, they restructured his contract. If they hadn't done that, it would have been a $21 million cap hit. And then brush your hands. He's gone. And, you know, you're probably getting like a second round pick for him at the time. Like that might seem silly now with the way he's played this year. But at the time, I think it would have been reasonable to, to get like a late two back for him. Uh, now, uh, after the restructure, it would have been a cap hit of like 37 million. I think it was, it would be 12 million this year and then, uh, an additional, um, 27. Five. No, 25, right, 25 uh, in 2022, which would have actually eclipsed the Carson Wentz dead money hit, mm. which was the biggest dead money hit in the history of the NFL. So the Fletcher Cox would have actually been more if you add up the two years of the dead money. So for them to take on that kind of hit, you'd have to get something great back in return from him. I don't know if that's a first-round pick, which I mean, nobody's given up a first-round pick for Fletcher Cox. I don't know if it's a second-round pick, which, you know, again, I don't know if anyone's given up a second-round pick for for him at this point in his career. Uh, but, you know, from the Eagles' perspective, um, you know, they, they had to have gotten – they had to get something really, really good in return to be willing to trade him and take on that kind of dead money. And, you know, of course, that offer didn't come around. So that was sort of my logic in the, in saying that they, now they can't trade him. Certainly they could trade him if they want to take that hit, but they didn't. And, you know, he's still with the team, uh, obviously unhappy, or at least he was a week ago, uh, unhappy with his role in Jonathan Gannon's defense, but certainly an interesting, um, uh, you know, little morsel to come out of this, uh, trade deadline cycle that, uh, the Eagles were willing and, and very clearly trying to trade Fletcher Cox. Going to be relevant in the offseason. Yes. When that rolls around, like yep. it's going to come back up and, you know, you would think, barring Fletcher Cox, like playing, you know, some incredibly amazing football that he's like a must keep kind of player down the stretch that seems like they're, they would try to move on from him in the offseason, at least if they're going to be smart about it. Um, Jimmy, the last trade rumor thing that we have here at the top is something that came out of a podcast that was the Adam Schefter podcast where Adam Schefter was uh, hosting Chris Mortensen, fellow NFL insider. And it was an interesting conversation between him and Mort where, uh, by the way, do you remember that tweet Mort had at one point where he got hacked and it said, I'm not Mort? (laughs) Uh, Vaguely, yeah. Okay. I don't think he ever deleted that. I think that's still up if you want to go back and look at that. Someone hacked him and tweeted, or I don't know, or a relative. Anyway, nothing to do with that. But I just, I cannot... Not think of that. That's what you always think of when when more comes up. I I don't know what you're going to say, by the way. I I know nothing about this conversation, this podcast thing. So uh, I'm I'm listening with listening with with uh, uh, whatever bated breath, eager ears. (laughs) Okay, both alliteration. You went a different route. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So. Basically, uh, they started the podcast off talking about the Deshaun Watson situation and everything there. Nothing really super Eagles relevant came on there. But after that, Schefter was like, okay, what could happen in this offseason beside Deshaun Watson? How about like the other two quarterbacks that, that are supposed to be potentially available, Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers? And that was the question. 
Adam Schefter didn't lead like more into talking about the Philadelphia Eagles or even mm-hmm. Russell Wilson at all. Russell Moore decided to go in that direction. He specifically brought up Russell Wilson first, and then he said like the Philadelphia Eagles and not so many words are like the team to watch on him, and he would quote like top their list uh in the offseason. So I thought that was pretty interesting, and it's not like shocking from the standpoint of we all know the Eagles once had interest sure. in like drafting russell wilson and everything so it's not like oh wow this is a, an amazing thing a connection that no one has ever made before there was actually a report from or not a report but uh back when the eagles had made the trade from uh six down to 12 in the offseason they picked up miami's first round pick next year there was this uh reaction on the athletic and they like it was from i think mike sando who quoted an uh, an anonymous executive who said like, oh yeah, the Eagles are like in the driver's seat for Russell Wilson now. That was back mm. in the off season, back in like April. Um, so, you know, there's, there's been recent speculation. There's been long standing speculation. Uh, would you trade Jimmy for Russell Wilson if you were the Eagles? Yeah, I would. So I think yeah. he's more appealing than uh, Aaron Rodgers in that Aaron, Rod- well, Aaron Rodgers is what? 38. And, uh, and Russell Wilson is right now. I think he's, 32 i think he turns 33 very soon is that do He's I have 32 that right? right now yeah i think he turns 33 either later this month or in december whatever um so yeah i mean he's got some i mean if he can play another five or six years in the nfl it's kind of like an eternity if you think about it like you know what i mean so like carson Wentz played with the eagles for five years so like you'd basically mm-hmm. get the at least that you know time you know level of time uh, if you trade for Russell Wilson, theoretically speaking, um, he's more appealing than Deshaun Watson in that he doesn't have uh, 22 women accusing him of sexual misconduct. So <laughs> I think of the three quarterbacks, he's the most palatable if you're an Eagles fan, in my opinion. So, you know, I don't know what the cost is going to be for that, but um, I think a, a very, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously a very uh, huge component of this is does Russell Wilson want to play for Philadelphia? And Russell Wilson, like Deshaun Watson, has a no trade clause. So um, when you look at the Philadelphia Eagles and compare them to other teams that could potentially have interest, I can't imagine that the Philadelphia Eagles are going to be beating out very many teams. And I don't want to speak for Russell Wilson, but in in Russell Wilson world, you know, what does Philadelphia offer that a lot of other teams around the NFL don't like? What's the appeal of Philadelphia right now? Um, not, I'm not talking about the city, of course, but I'm talking about just the, the structure of the franchise, the roster they have, the coaching staff, the general manager, um, so on and so forth. And I don't know that this is the most appealing place to want to go if you're a 33-year-old quarterback and you're looking to win championships to close out your career. That's just me. Uh, what do you think about that? So on the, you know, does he want to play here? thing which is relevant as you mentioned because of the no trade clause uh and we should note that back in the offseason when it came out that Russell Wilson had a list of preferred trade destinations there were four teams that came up um the Eagles were not among them do you remember uh, who they were do you have it there it was the the Raiders okay. the Bears the Cowboys and the Saints and i Raiders, think you know Bears, from Cowboys Saints okay so assuming Derek Carr stays put which i don't might not necessarily be in guarantee, but assuming he does, um, you know, the Saints are the only team that sticks out as would still need a quarterback and would also obviously be a very preferable uh, attraction, I think, for Russell Wilson. You know, getting to work with Sean Payton seems, you know, pretty in that roster. They have a strong defense. Now, 
again, they don't have the ammunition that the Eagles do. So, uh, you know, can it be worked out? That's all speculation. But anyway, so Mortensen was actually, he brought up that point. Like he actually said, uh, and then it's a matter of would Russell be willing to play in Philadelphia? Well, it's not too far from New York and it's a big market. And certainly Seattle would have interest in the Eagles draft capital. They need to rebuild their roster. Uh, so that's really all he offered on that. That's uh, a ballsy my, move. Sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, well, my take on like, should they do it? Is like, yes, it's a future Hall of Famer. Like, don't overthink this. Don't be like, well, the Eagles aren't. I've the one like argument against it. I've seen a lot. Is the Eagles aren't one, you know, quarterback away from being Super Bowl contenders. And I, I agree that their roster has issues beyond the quarterback, but. Hall of Fame quarterback covers up a lot of those mistakes. Yeah. All those suddenly like go up. Not everything goes away, maybe, but a lot of those would go away. And also, like you can kind of figure out some of those other things later. You can't figure out getting a Hall right. of Fame quarterback later. Like that's not going to just pop up. Like maybe you luck into one, but like the odds of that are much like you know they're, they're a lot less likely. Basically, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, so I think it's crazy. I I, just, I really don't like this idea, Jimmy, that I've seen a lot that like just build the defense with these top picks and then figure out quarterback later like that. It's so easy to like kick the can down the road in your head. But like I, I just don't and I, I I get not wanting to force it. But man, I just think you could get yourselves in a bad place. And I also just don't think it's how the Eagles think. Like I don't think the Eagles are OK with just kicking the can down the road. If I know them, like you really think Jeffrey Lurie, who like is obsessed with having a, a you know, a great passing offense is just like, nah. Like we're just going to build our up the defense and and we'll just figure we'll string something together at quarterback. I just don't think that's how <laughs> right. he thinks and the organization thinks. Yeah, and when you do get the franchise quarterback in place, especially one as good as Russell Wilson, who you know is he's still at least on you know borderline top five quarterback in the NFL. Um, once you get that guy in place, then you are maybe a couple pieces away from contending yeah. for a Super Bowl again. So like. Um, yeah, it's easier to get the quarterback piece in place than it is uh, put other pieces, as you said, and then find the quarterback. I was going to say, like, that's a ballsy move, by the way, by Russell Wilson to like name four quarter, name four teams that he wants to go to, as if like qu- quarterbacks don't already play for those teams. Like, if you're Dak Prescott and he's like, "I play for the Cowboys," like Dak Prescott's like, "What? What are you talking about?" This well, is my I team. think this is I think this is before he signed the extension, but yeah. <laughs> and then the same thing with like the Raiders. Derek Carr is firmly yeah. in place there. Like, <laughs> what yeah. is that all about? That's so, <laughs> kind of a ballsy move to say, "I want to." These are the four teams that I'll play for. Even I don't care who's there already <laughs> but anyway uh should we maybe take a break here and then we'll come back we we're gonna do the you know lions takeaways in the second segment but we're already uh yeah running long as we do yeah. um last thing i'll say in russ is like perennial mvp candidate like top five quarterback arguably on like any given year he could be potentially the best quarterback in the nfl like if he's if he's on his a game like he is like top one quarterback potential mm-hmm. so like again i just don't think you overthink it uh yeah and the age thing like a lot of these quarterbacks are playing into like late thirties. So that he's 32, like, and he's never missed a game until he's, this season. Like he strikes me as a guy that takes care of himself too. Like, like at a Tom Brady level, yeah, not uh-huh. to say that he's definitely going to play to like 44, like Tom Brady, but like, mm-hmm. I, I'm per- like, yes, do it. Anyway, uh, let's get to the ad, Jimmy, which is righteous felon craft jerky. Go to righteous felon.com. 
You can pause the podcast. You can do it right now, or you can do it after you're listening to the podcast. Just check out the website. That's all I ask. Check it out. See if there's anything you like. If there is, use discount code BGN15. That's BGN15 for 15% off your order. They have really good snacks, which will come in handy when you're watching the Eagles, presumably from your couch or whatever. Or maybe you bring them to the tailgate if you're going to the game. Uh, yeah, it's really good stuff. I wouldn't tell you it is if I didn't believe that. Uh, it is a business, a local business that we want to support. Uh, I have obviously a, a connection in the form of good friend Dan Cosner, who appears on the podcast of BGN and BGN Radio alumnus, works for them. Um, so we want to see him do well. We want to see you do well. And that's why I use one. That's why you want to use discount code BGN15 for 15% off checkout at righteousfelon.com. Do it, Jimmy. Back after this. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Back here on BGN Radio. Bleeding Green Nation Radio. BGN Radio. BGN Radio. BGN Radio. Uh, Jimmy, let's get into this Lions game. Our takeaways from that, I feel like, before we get into the Chargers matchup. So, caught a little bit of flack, Jimmy. It's unlike me to do that. But caught a little bit of flack for not being maybe super fired up about the Eagles beating the Lions in Week 8, blowing them out 44-6, to as you mentioned. I guess part of my problem from the win, which is admittedly a good win, and we would have crushed them if they lost that game. So, you know, I'm not trying to take credit away from the Eagles. Like, I think in a vacuum, it's a very fantastic result. But when you apply the context of, like, moving forward and everything, how much does this mean? I felt like it was kind of hollow. Because I don't know how much of this carries over. I thought a lot of players had career days and not necessarily even from players that you're relying on in the long term, like mm-hmm. a Boston Scott or a Jordan Howard. So like, and, and Jalen Hurts, I thought didn't have a, a great game. And I've pointed out before that, like, if you think about it, the Eagles offense had their best day in a long time when their quarterback was less involved than ever. 
Uh, that doesn't seem like the best trend. Uh, am I being too harsh? What do you think? No, I think uh, if, you know, the takeaway of this game is like if they had lost, I mean, all hell would have broken loose. <laughs> like, I mean, like it would have been like ships sinking uh, if they lost to this winless terror. By the way, not even a, te- not, not just a terrible Lions team, but like they were really banged up. Uh, cornerback and wide receiver along their offensive line, uh, their pass rush. Like they just had a lot of injuries. They don't have that many. They don't have that many good players to begin with, and a lot of the actual good players that they do have were hurt. So and didn't play. So like this is a very very easy game, and uh, I'm I'm very mad at myself for uh, picking them <laughs> to win this game. Uh, I picked them before I really took took a hard look at their injury report. Doesn't matter. Whatever. Um, they that they beat them uh, was a necessary thing. I mean, for for just the sake of you know the rest of their season and their sanity and having to deal with the fans and the media uh with uh you know how how bad this loss would have been so they avoid that for one, for one week and you know good for them and the way that they did it was impressive like they won 44 to 6 like they easily easily handled this very bad team so you know credit to them for doing that but uh for me it's kind of like wake me up until they actually beat even like an average team which, in my opinion, they have coming up this Sunday uh, against the, the Los Angeles Chargers. I think something we've phrased before, I remember talking about this with like Carson Wentz last year, and clearly it didn't come to fruition. But like uh, there was a game or two where Carson Wentz would have where like he wasn't terrible coming out of a bad stretch. He was just kind of like fine. And what I said about that game at the time is it's a, it's a game to build on. Like that game looks better in retrospect. If you continue to, you mm-hmm. know, stack on that and you, and you, it's like, okay, that was a turning point. Like, so to me, you know, if the Eagles come out and, you know, they look terrible again against the chargers, then I don't really care that they beat the, like that. The lions win means nothing at that point. Like if, if nothing, this carries over, then it's just like, okay, it was a nice moment. And again, like a vacuum, but in the context of the season and trying to get the franchise pointed in the right direction moving forward, it just doesn't mean anything almost. Um, so that's kind of where I am with it. Like I will say that if they beat the Chargers and they continue to, you know, to look better moving forward, then okay. Then I was maybe I'm, be- I was being too harsh and there were some meaningful takeaways. Uh, the big thing to come out of this game to me was like, have the Eagles found their new identity? They're mm-hmm. going to be a running football team and like, no, they're not. They're not going to do that. Like, I mean, not at least in the long term, like moving forward for forever. Like they're not becoming like the Ravens or something all of a sudden. And obviously they're not going to be able to have that same kind of success week in, week out, maybe this week against the Chargers and we'll get to that. But like, you know, for the whole rest of the season, mm-hmm. just like pounding the rock. And we both said like Nick Sirianni wasn't running the ball enough. And I think we, you know, we're on, everyone, everyone is on the same page about that. But I just like, I don't think, I, I just, I'm selling, if, if you're, let's say like buy or sell that, you know, the Eagles have found their blueprint, what they did against the Lions. I'm selling that. I'm not buying that. What about you? It should be their blueprint going forward, but I'm with you. I don't think it will be. I do think it, it, it could be this week against the Chargers because the Chargers beg right. you to run it. So I do think they will run it against uh, this Chargers team. But yeah, I don't think uh, this is going to be like their new identity, as you put it, uh, for the remainder of the season. Uh, I got a trivia question for you. When... Okay was the last time the Eagles won two straight regular season games. I don't know. It wasn't last year, was it? Was it was last year, yeah. They, it was last okay. year, but which, so two the, game, which two games were they? Was it Cowboys and the Giants? That's correct. Very well done. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. It was in the reverse order. They beat the Giants in the game that yeah. the Giants pissed away. <laughs> like was that Thursday the, Night Football? The Evan Engram drop, like that would have sealed it. And then uh, the Eagles drove down, and I think Wentz hit Boston Scott, if yep. I recall, for yep. a touchdown late in that game. It was a great throw and great and catch. Then the fo- it was probably his best throw of the year. And then, and you know, like you said, great catch. And then the following week was the Nooch. So that was yep. their last two game winning streak. <laughs> was, the, was, was those two like that? They played horribly against the Giants in that game until the very end. And then the Cowboys just couldn't do anything with Danucci. So uh, that's their last two game winning streaks. So it'll be interesting to see if they can have their first two game winning streak since 20, since, you know, those two games. Um, let's get to the Chargers matchup unless you have anything further on the yeah. win over the Lions. So I kind of touched on Hurt slightly there. Uh, and not to say, obviously, he didn't have a bad game by any means, but it's just like when you're throwing for 107 yards or whatever he had, like, you know, it's just it's like, okay. Uh, I I think it's an interesting thing. And, you know, good friend Noah Brecker, Becker brought this up, and I've been thinking about it. It's like, so there's a way for the Eagles to, like you said, they should be this running team moving forward, and that would help maximize wins for this year. But my question is like, does that help develop Jalen Hurts? And that does that also help develop the team? Because like, you know, you look at that game, what the receivers were doing, or maybe not doing in that game, you know, and, and like their leading wide receiver, so not including Dallas Goddard, was like Quez Watkins, with like sixteen yards or eighteen yards or whatever he had. And like, I don't know, like that doesn't seem amazing for their development, like never getting involved. And obviously it's not gonna be this extreme uh week in and week out. Uh, special circumstance, but like, it's just a weird situation because I think what I'm trying to say here is what's best for the Eagles in the short term might not necessarily what be what's best for them in the long term. And the season is supposed to be about the long term, but you know, Nick Sirianni obviously has to coach, you know, kind of do, you know, as a coach, you're trying to win each week. So it's like, it's a weird thing, I guess right now is what I'm trying to say. A weird, like conflict of interests. What I'll say about Hertz's game was um, like, he had some really, good scrambles where like I mean yes. he looked impressive running the ball but it also yes. came at the expense of like he had things open like down opportunity the field. cost I and, always say it with him and didn't pull the trigger on those throws and instead scrambled and you know the scrambles were impressive we already know we can do that like I think if if it's open you want to see him hit the throw and you want to see him hit the throw accurately and I think just generally speaking through the first eight games his progress in those two areas, accuracy and pulling the trigger when he sees something that's there, it just hasn't it hasn't been there. Like his 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 progress hasn't been there. He hasn't gotten better in those two areas. Um maybe a little bit better, but he hasn't gotten better enough uh in those two areas. And I think that at, after these first eight games, the likelihood that he's gonna be the starting quarterback in twenty twenty two and beyond is is very like it's very low. Like I would put it at like less than ten percent at this point. Probably less than five percent. I agree with that, and I think you know Sunday's game. He certainly didn't like you. You've been measuring it always like stock up or stock down. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily say stock down for that mm-hmm. game. Yeah, I would say like, but he didn't help himself, and I right. think by not helping himself, he's losing ground because like he's not in the spot where like you know Ty goes to the runner, like he can stay steady and he's fine. No, like he needs to have stock up games, and that wasn't a stock up game, so that's that's a you know it doesn't help him. Uh, there were a couple moments in there that again Johnny Page highlighted, I think, really well on BleedingGreenNation.com. We're like he's just bailing these clean pockets, man. It's like, what are you doing? That like too. the pockets clean. Like you're you're looking at a receiver. You're it's not even like you're not seeing him. You're seeing the guy, and it's just like 
you're not throwing it. Like, what is going on? Like, do you just not have the faith in your own arm? And if you, yeah. that's the case, like, that's a, that's a huge problem. That's a deal breaker. You can't, you can't do that. Uh, so, you know, you can say he's young and everything, but I think the, the problem is it's just, there's more limitations than it is just youth and inexperience. Um, so and he hates the middle of the field <laughs> and yeah, the left side of the field for that matter too, but the, but well, especially yeah. the middle of the field. And I, excuse me, I think part of that, I think you made the point, like, is it, is he just not trusting himself? And I think that's, maybe uh why he doesn't like the middle of the field because if you miss in the middle of the field that's when you know balls get tipped and mm. deflected or whatever and they shut up shoot up in the air and safety picks it off or whatever so maybe that has something to do with it i have no idea but he like he throws to the right side like an extremely inordinate amount compared to other quarterbacks around the league uh, I've said this before, but to that point, like I think Jalen Hurts, to his credit, is good at avoiding the negative plays. But again, mm-hmm. that there's an opportunity cost with those. Like it's not just like okay, uh, you know, incompletion or whatever. You're not turning the ball over, but at some point, like that's going to cost you. He's also not making the huge, amazing plays enough with enough consistency to kind of give you, you know, uh, the boost. It's not just about like you can't just only limit the negative plays. You have to make the big ones too. And I don't really think he's doing that enough, at least consistently. Um, but we can get off of Jalen Hurts. Last thing I want to say from the Lions game before we get into the Chargers game is that, hey, Jonathan Gannon adjusted and he didn't just run the quote unquote foofy defense that you mentioned <laughs> where he just sit back uh, yeah. all day. There was the uh, um, single high looks. There was blitzing. The Eagles blitz at their highest rate. So, uh, you know, I don't know if that's going to continue this week against the Chargers. We'll see. But he did it in Detroit, and that was a good thing to me. Uh, do you think he'll do it against the Chargers, Jimmy, as we transition to this week's game? I think he should. So I think the Chargers offense is similar in a lot of ways to the Panthers offense in that uh, the Panthers offense has, you know, had two very good, not very good, but, you know, good wide receivers. Um, and that's it. Like they didn't have a third wide receiver. So it made sense for them to have Darius Slay follow DJ Moore and to have Steven Nelson follow Robbie Anderson. And I think similarly, this Chargers team is constructed sort of the same way where they have two really good receivers. They have better receivers than the Panthers and Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. Um, I think it makes sense to have Slay follow Allen. And I think it makes sense to have Nelson follow Mike Williams. And, you know, they have other guys that can hurt you. Obviously Austin Eckler is a, is a, you know, dynamic back and, you know, produces in their passing game. Jared Cook's been around a long time. He makes plays in the passing game. But I think just from the very basic standpoint, I think it makes sense to play a lot of man in this game as opposed to playing these zone defenses and have Slay and Nelson follow those two guys all day. Because uh, you're not going to get hurt typically from by Justin Herbert uh, as a runner like they've had against some of these other teams they played like Mahomes and Dak Prescott. Maybe I don't let Dak as much these days. But uh, you don't have to worry about you know playing man and having those guys run on you because you have your back turned um so that's how i would play them like i think it's an offense that's good but it's not on the level of like the cowboys or the chiefs or anything like that they do have um you know some severe weaknesses like their right tackle is taken over for brian bulaga who got hurt earlier storm this year. norton storm nelson uh storm norton no yeah, storm, storm norton storm Nor- storm norton Great football name, by the way. <laughs> Stuart yeah, Norton. Great name. Does not play like a great football player, though. Uh, he's gotten killed uh, this season. I think last week they played the Patriots, and I want to say Matthew Judon had some yep. sort of ridiculous day against him, like 10 or 11 quarterback pressures or something like that. I think he had a couple sacks. Um, 
but he's been this Storm Norton fella has not been a good player. And uh, this is an opportunity for Josh Sweat to build off what was his best uh, game in the season uh, against the Lions against him. Yeah, I would hope to see defensive adjustments and not to sit back. Uh, one thing that I've noticed reading some of the Chargers coverage is there's been criticism of Joe Lombardi, their offensive coordinator. Okay. Uh, which is obviously relevant and, you know, more so with a head coach who is defensive minded and Braden Saley, you know, really, especially in charge of the offense there. And, uh, I remember Joe Lombardi not being a very popular figure in Detroit when he was running their offense there. So I had some Lion fans friends and they were always criticizing him. So, uh, obviously has had a good track record with the Saints, but, you know, Sean Payton is also there and probably had a lot more to do maybe with the offensive success, success. And one of the criticisms I've seen of Lombardi is kind of just like limiting Justin Herbert too much okay. and kind of turning him into this quarterback who is instead of just like, you know, gunning it like Justin Herbert can because he's a freaking, you know, ridiculous arm. Yeah. It's kind of like having him check it down and limiting him a lot. Um, so in that sense, if that's the case, that seems like a mismatch. If the Eagles are going to play, they're cover two, and Justin Herbert's going to just be able to, you know, pick the right. Eagles apart underneath and just lead drive after drive. I think he's definitely capable of doing that. So I think mean, it comes down to it. It's like, are they going to be able to adjust again, or they're going to go back to what they did in weeks prior, which very much didn't work. I will kind of believe it when I see it. I'm not just putting, you know, blind faith into just because. Like it should be as logical as, "Hey, this worked. Do it again." Like I, you, you don't always see coaches do that for some reason. They get away from it. So uh, that's the defense. Uh, turning it around to the other side of the ball, Jimmy. Looking at the Chargers defense, the Eagles offense versus the Chargers defense. I think everyone is pointing to this one very <laughs> kind of standout <laughs> thing yeah. coming off the Lions game, going into a Chargers game. It's like the Chargers defense worst in the NFL. The Eagles have to run the ball again. And you highlighted this as your, I think, your top matchup in your matchup yeah. piece on phillyvoice.com. So my question about this, though, like I think some people are thinking a little too like straightforward about this, like, and and maybe I'm wrong, but like the Chargers want to have teams run the ball on them. Mm -hmm. Like this yeah. is it's, it's they're very much inviting teams to run the ball on them, and there's a reason for that, and it's because typically when you're facing a team with a really good quarterback. You'll live with running plays, like run the ball. Like it's a gift when, you know, you're facing Tom Brady or, or whoever and they're running the ball instead of passing it. Um, I remember, remember like when the Eagles would do that or they play the Saints sometimes. And it's like, you know, anytime Drew Brees isn't passing the ball, it's like, it's just like a gift. It's like, thank yeah, you yeah, for yeah. not doing that. Uh, -huh. uh, so I think some of the poor run defense is that. Uh, and it makes me wonder, speaking of defensive adjustments, at least if I'm the Chargers defensive coordinator, or, you know, if I'm Brandon Staley, I am saying, like, let's shift away from that. Let's very much challenge Jalen Hurts to beat us with his yeah. arm. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly a possibility. Like, they could make adjustments like we like Eagles fans have been begging Jonathan Gannon to do. And if they do, it would make a lot of sense. Um, if they don't, if they do invite the run, that is, uh, I mean, just run it on them. <laughs> like, I mean, they, they're dead last in the NFL in rushing yards allowed per game with 159.4, dead last in rushing yards allowed per attempt, 5.1 yards per attempt, dead last in first downs, rushing uh, rushing first downs allowed uh, at a little over nine, and then they're dead last in the NFL, rushes of 20-plus yards. And they they purposely, like you said, they invite the run. They don't want to get beaten by these you know great quarterbacks in what has now become uh, a passing league. And you look at their last three games, uh, two of which they lost uh, to the Ravens and Patriots. Ravens ran for 187 yards against them. 
Patriots ran for 141 yards against them. Uh, the Browns, who Chargers did beat, uh, they ran for 230 yards against them. Um, and they did beat the Browns, but the Browns also scored 42 points on them. So like, if they want to, inv- if they want to invite the run and the Eagles don't take that invitation and go, yes, thank you, please, we'll run it all day on you, then it's crazy town. If like, if you're, if you're the Eagles and even if they don't, like, even if they do seek to stop the run, um, I think that what happens with a lot of defenses sometimes is once they sort of fail at something long enough, it's hard to just change on the fly and, you know, be good at that all of a sudden, even if you put more resources towards stopping it. So even if they do challenge the Eagles a little more um, to try to stop the run game, I think you run it anyway and and you see what you can do against this defense because I think that's your, I mean, that's going to be your best chance of winning anyway in any game to run the ball a lot than to put it in, you know, completely in uh, Jalen Hurts' hands. Uh, so I think, it, I think in that sense, you're like, I agree with you that maybe you are thinking about it. Some, some people are thinking about it a little bit too simplistically and that like they, they give up a lot of rushing yards. So they're going to continue to do that against the Eagles and they're not going to make adjustments. But at the same time, I also think the football is very, um, it, not very, but it can be very simple sometimes. And if a team is really bad at stopping the run and that's what you do well, then do what you do well. Yeah, I mean, I don't expect the Chargers to, you know, come out and suddenly have this elite run defense because maybe they put more effort in there. If it's that bad, it's not just about, I think, scheme and everything. But I just do think, you know, that I think it'd be crazy to me if they just didn't, you know, again, put the game on, put the game on Jalen Hurts if you're the Chargers. Like, yeah, like put that. And I would like to see that from a standpoint of I'd like to see them do that and Jalen Hurts go out there and actually win and like, like, hey, they put a lot of pressure on Jalen Hurts and he responded and he took advantage. And I think that would be a really great thing to see for his development as opposed to like, oh, the Chargers came in and they just invited the run all day and Jalen Hurts didn't have to do anything again. Like, what are we learning about mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts at that point? Like, it's just, okay, you can take advantage of a team that wants you to run the ball and you can run the ball with, again, like players who aren't even like necessarily foundational pieces like Boston Scott and Jordan Howard. It's not like, you know, this is like, you know, like Zeke here, like in his rookie year, and you're like, oh, we have this great running back or Derrick Henry, <laughs> right. you know, for years to come. He's our foundational piece. Like, right, just, right. you know, it's a, it's a good off the line, and the running backs are doing well, and they're running hard and taking advantage. But, uh, yeah. Anything else on this matchup, Jimmy? Yeah. So the only thing I'll, I'll point out otherwise is, uh, uh, first of all, I don't really like this Chargers roster after taking a harder look at them, uh, this week. Um, I don't like them as much as I did previously anyway. This is a team that was four and one, and they were looking like they were, you know, Super Bowl contenders and they lost their last two games and whatever. They're coming into this game struggling a bit, but you look at their defense and they have two star players in Joey Bosa and Derwin James. Joey Bosa is the only pass rusher they have. Like that's it. That's it's him. And like they have nobody else. They can really consistently get to the quarterback. Uh, so, you know, hope Jordan Mailata will see a lot of him. I think the Eagles would be smart to give Mailata help uh, because that's the only guy that's really going to you know, make you pay if, uh, if you're dropping back a, a fair amount against this team. And then Jer- Derwin James is a guy that, um, you know, he plays all over the field, but, uh, otherwise this defense isn't very good. Like, I don't think their linebackers are good. Um, they have no, they've, they've just the one pass rusher. Uh, like I mentioned before, their, their offensive line has, you know, serious concerns on the right side. Their right guard isn't really that good either. Uh, in addition to Storm Norton, and they don't really have much in the way of depth. So I think this is a team that's just kind of, I really like the quarterback. But it's just kind of an okay roster otherwise. And uh the Eagles can beat this team. One thing I'll note too is uh the injury report just came out, by the way. Uh yeah. Here what do we got here? Thursday. Uh JJ Ortega Whiteside is the only Eagles player who did not practice today. 
There are okay. five guys who are limited. They were Fletcher Cox, Jack Driscoll, Javon Hargrave, Zach McPherson, and Jalen Rager. So no surprises there. Um, a little surprising. Rager's able to practice after um, you know getting carted off with what I guess looked like it might be a serious injury uh, Sunday against the Lions. But uh, anyway, just the one guy, uh, JJ, not practicing on Thursday as we record this, by the way, on Thursday afternoon. Well, Jimmy kind of talked about maybe the Eagles winning, but we will get into our predictions yes. in our NFL picks after the break. But do we have a special guest, Jimmy, that oh, yeah, you wanted to bring on here Krista! on the podcast before we get into the break? I mean, because maybe I should mute my microphone first. No, I think it's funnier if you do that. Okay, so he muted his mic now that you can't hear him. Now he unmuted it. Krista! Uh, Jimmy is getting a special guest, which he <laughs> definitely spoiled by him yelling. As he grabs his headphones and looks for this, and I look into his apartment while Jimmy gets his special guest, I will vamp here, and maybe Rachel will edit it out because it's just a lot of dead air that I'm vamping for, or maybe she'll leave it in. Who knows? Uh, I will tell you that you should be checking out. Maybe I'll just do some of the plugs here. So in addition to listening to BGN Radio, rating, reviewing, subscribing, everything, you should check out the SB Nation NFL show. You should check out. Uh, oh, our special guest is here. So right. it's my daughter, Krista. It's time, Krista. I have a question for you. Who was voted the best realtor in the history of the universe by God and also all the people in the land? <laughs> Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors. Okay, thank you very much. Good job. <laughs> awesome. And if you're looking to buy or sell your house, you can call or text. Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors at 856-906-9295. That's 856-906-9295. Or visit her at roachrealtors.com. Brandon. Back after this. Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, Roach Realtors, Roach Realtors, Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, she's the greatest, 856-906-9295, Back here on BGN Radio, Jimmy, it's our final segment, which means it's time for our NFL picks against the spread. Um, probably could have have a real sound effect in there, but I used my voice, uh, my my voice instead, and it wasn't that great. Jimmy, I will get into the records, which no one cares about. Uh, I had a bad week last week. Uh, I am now twenty three and eighteen, merely twenty three and eighteen. You caught some ground, but you're still seventeen and twenty four, so still under five hundred. Against way under five hundred. Uh, again, or sorry, straight up, you are five and three, picking Eagles games, and I am six and two. We both regretted taking the Lions, obviously. Uh, let's get into this week's games because as we're recording this, it's only a matter of hours until the Jets play the Colts in Indianapolis, and I will let you take the stage on this one first because I think you want to talk about the ramifications of this game a little bit as it relates to the pick the Eagles potentially will get from Colts for Carson Wentz. Yeah, this game might be already underway by the time this podcast is published. <laughs> You'll probably listen to this podcast after this game is already played, but uh, the Colts are 10.5-point favorites over the New York Jets. I think this is a game that the Colts have to win. Uh, 
if you're from the Eagles perspective, just to stay in, you know, in contention. Um, I think they're kind of out of contention. Maybe not out of contention, but like they're way, way, way behind the Tennessee Titans at this point. Tennessee Titans uh, beat them last Sunday, uh, thus creating a three point lead, excuse me, three game lead in the AFC South, plus an additional game because they have the season sweep uh, over the Colts. So if they tie, Titans get that tiebreaker. Um, so the Colts are technically, uh, last I looked, I think they're like a, a game or game and a half uh, out of the AFC wild card, if I recall correctly. So they're still kind of in that hunt. But if they lose this game to a bad Jets team at home, no less, I mean, you got to imagine like Carson Wentz probably will, will not have played very well in that game after, you know, totally butchering the end of that Titans game. Like the, the interception, the pick six that he threw at the end of that Titans game is good. That's going to be the worst interception of the like of the season in the NFL. And then the second uh, interception that he threw in that game in overtime, almost as bad because he just threw to a guy that was like 20 yards down the field, like in triple coverage on first down, like three Titans players right in the area there. One of them picked him off and, uh, you know, that that was like they kicked a field goal and that was game. He had three receivers underneath on that play. Absolutely wide the hell open. It was like, so I think like Carson Wentz, by the way, not to get off track here, but I think what we've seen from him this year is that for the most part, he's looked like the 2018, 2019 version of Carson Wentz. He's certainly been on the whole better than he was last year, which is an extremely low bar to clear, seeing he's the worst starting quarterback in the NFL a season ago. But he looks a lot like that guy in 2018, 2019 for a lot of reasons. Like he's battling injuries like he did that year. He His team is getting off to a, a bad, a very disappointing start. Um, he, uh, you know, I think his numbers like on in print look better than what he's actually done on the field, which is similar to what he did in 2018 and 2019. But then you also have like a little bit of that 2020 Carson sprinkled in with like the game that he had, the end of the game that he had against the Titans with those two really, really bad interceptions. So from the Eagles perspective, I think that they need the Colts to win this game just to stay invested. And I think they need to, they need Wentz to play well in this game to sort of put that last performance behind them. Because I think there are two components to the Colts potentially benching Wentz. Uh, one is that they're going to have to be completely out of it by week 13. And then two, they have to have made a decision by that point that they're probably not going to go forward with Wentz as their quarterback in 2022 and beyond. You can't bench him and then also have him be your quarterback next year because we see, we have already seen how he reacts to that. So like those two components have to be in place. And then also you have to have the Colts be willing to, um, you know, quote unquote, uh, be willing to uh, take a little integrity hit. I don't buy that at all personally. Uh, I think if it's in the best interest of your team to save a top 10 pick as opposed to picking 40 something, then it's a no brainer to do that. So um, yeah, th- those are the two things that, that, that they need that would need to happen for them to bench him. And uh, the path to that happening uh, kind of starts with a loss at home to the jets. So again, I think that it's, it's, it's beneficial for the Eagles for the Colts to win this game. And I think they will. And I think they'll cover actually this game too. I'm going to take the Jets to cover, but I still say the Colts win. Okay. Um, You got to believe in Mike White, baby. I mean, how could you not? Um, (laughs) I hate Mike White right now. He got me knocked out of my my, uh, survivor pool. Yeah. Oh, did you? You took the Bengals last week? 
I did. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Um, but whatever. Good for Jets fans who don't have much to cheer about. Uh, yeah. I, so I think it's going to be closer than too close for comfort, but the Colts will win. And, you know, then I think they're going to beat the Jags next week and then they'll get to five and five, which I think is, again, it's not like, okay, you're like, oh, no, the Colts are winning. The pick is getting worse. But I think it's ensuring that Carson Wentz is going to play if they get to five and five because. Yeah, you can again, full on just root against them at that point, too. Yeah. And then at that point, I'm pretty sure he's going to get to week 13, which is <laughs> yeah. when he's going to hit the threshold if the Colts get to five and five. So I think that's fine. Um, let's move on to the other first round pick that the Eagles own, which is currently number three overall, I believe. Uh, that is the Miami Dolphins, who are hosting the Houston Texans. The Dolphins are six and a half point favorites. I will note that Tyrod Taylor is confirmed back for this game. I am going to take the points in this game as well, because the Texans have been looking terrible recently, and I get it. But when they had Tyrod, they didn't look like totally like inept to every level. I think that makes a big difference going from Davis Mills to to. to uh, Tyrod. So I'm going to take the Texans, maybe not to win outright. I don't know, but definitely with the points. What about you? Yeah, I think Tyrod Taylor is a bottom five NFL starter, obviously. Uh, but at the same time, I think teammates respect a guy like him uh, who's been around for a long time, more so than they will a guy like Davis Mills. And I think that shows on the field where, you know, if you think that you have a guy that can at least be competent, then you might play a little better. So I'm with you that the Texans won't look as bad as they have. I mean, they've looked like They've looked worse than Detroit, if that's possible. Um, over the like, they won Week One over the Jaguars, I think, and they've gotten like they've lost their last seven games. So have the Dolphins, by the way, Dolphins won Week One. They lost their last seven games. Dolphins have had some close games. Texans have mostly gotten blown out in almost all their games uh, since then. Um, I actually like the Dolphins to cover this. I have the Dolphins winning and covering this game uh, because. Um, you know, while I think I agree that Ty- Tyrod Taylor will give them a little bit of a boost, they are still just beyond horrible. And uh, the Dolphins aren't like the Dolphins have like some things going for them. Like, I don't think they're like a like just a total train wreck. They're one in seven, which, you know, would make you think that, of course. But I've seen enough of their games just because of interest in, you know, the sort of curiosity of, you know, how good is this team and where is that Eagles pick going to land? Um, you know, they have some things going for them, and I think they'll be able to at least uh, take care of this really, really bad Texans team. Cowboys are nine-point favorites hosting the Broncos, and I'm going to take the Cowboys. Dak Prescott seems to be back. He said he's going to play, basically, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, he did, yeah. Yeah, during the podcast, I, I think. He did. I had this revelation on the NFC's mixtape, Jimmy, and I hate to say it, but I think the Cowboys are going to win the Super Bowl, Ooh. and uh, I don't feel good about it. They've covered uh, every game so far this year. I just, I think it's all about like a vibes thing, man. They have a vibe going on. Like that Cooper Rush win is like a moment (laughs) in like a a really good season. We're like, hey, remember that game, the Cooper Rush game? Like I just, and maybe I'm making too much of the fact that they're beating these teams that aren't even good and they have a lot of quarterback. uh, But again, Cooper Rush beat them. So I just, I don't know, man. I don't feel amazing about it, but I do feel good about them in terms of it happening, not me enjoying it. Uh, Beating the Broncos who... I just don't have a lot of faith in. And they got worse because they don't have Von Miller now. See, I didn't even think Cooper Rush beat them. I thought their defense beat the Vikings. And uh, that's even scarier. <laughs> like if you're if you're a Cowboys hater, um, like I'm sure 99% of our listeners are. Um, because like heading into the season on paper, their defense looked terrible. And they've played pretty well so far this year. 
And that's without their best defender, Demarcus Lawrence. So for them to have played the way that they've played so far this year, um, it's not great. If like you're hoping that the Cowboys don't make some noise in the playoffs, um, you know, they, they sort of had to keep pace in my opinion with, I mean, the NFC is basically a five team race. In my opinion, the saints have a, have a a five and two record, but I wouldn't include them here. It's the Cowboys, the Packers, Cardinals, Rams, and Buccaneers. And that's it. Like those are the five teams. And then everyone else is like at least a notch or two below them. And, um, you know, I I thought the Cowboys were almost certainly going to start Dak Prescott last Sunday. Like if he, if there's any chance of him going at all, then they would because they wanted, because I figured they wanted to keep pace with these other four great NFC teams. And they didn't, and they won anyway. So, like, that team is rolling. I'm with you. And uh, I think they're not only going to win, but they're going to cover that nine-point spread against the Broncos. Eagles will be playing the Broncos not this week, but the next week. Um, Again, without Von Miller. The Raiders, Jimmy, are three-point favorites at the Giants. And I will say, you know, here, it's a it's really tough to, like, I don't know. Kind of, it's tough for me. I mean, it's it's a weird thing to talk about. It's like I don't know how. Football wise, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the tragedy of you know Henry Ruggs, what happened in terms of you know him murdering someone or him killing someone. Um, like that's you know I don't know. Like it's 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 weird to be like, like how does this impact the team? I I don't know. I don't know. But what I do know is that the Giants stink, even though they played the Chiefs competitively. Uh, the Chiefs they played the Chiefs on Monday Night Football, so they're coming off short rest. And the Raiders uh, are coming off a bye. So there's a rest advantage there in Las Vegas's favor. Uh, the Giants are dealing with some injuries as well. They're also dealing with like, a COVID situation. So, and just Joe Judge, man, come on. How can you bet on that guy? <laughs> like, can you really feel good about that? So I'm going to take the Raiders here. What about you? They're actually coming off two buys because I think their win over the Eagles was as yeah, close to a buy as you can get. Um, there actually is a little bit of precedent for, um, you know, how they're going to come out and play after this Henry Ruggs tragedy. Um, because John, John Gruden resigned in disgrace earlier this year. And I was curious to see how they're going to play after that happened. And they easily handled the Broncos on the road. Sorry, go ahead. What if, what if they didn't like love Gruden though? I don't know. Like, you know, and it's it's almost like, Hey, the guy we didn't even like that much is gone. Now we're, you know, we're going to kill it as opposed to like. I'm guessing like, you know, players might be really bummed out for one of their, you know, or just distracted, you know, like this is our guy. We liked Henry. And then like, he's just not here and it's, and he's never going to, it's just like, it's, I don't know. It's just a different thing to me. That's fair. Oh, sure. I mean, the circumstances are totally different. Like, yeah. You have a, one situation where a guy, you know, emailed, you know, racist remarks to another team and they came out 10 years later and got fired. And, you know, the, and in this case, uh, a drunk driver kills a young woman. So yeah, like, like the first thing's kind of like that could like piss us off and we can use that as like fuel. Yeah, and, like, we're, yeah, we're angry. Yeah. And the second thing is just like, it's just I'm total really bummer. Out. Yeah, yeah. 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 I get that. Um, so yeah, it's a good point, but you know, I, I will, the, the overall point that I'm trying to make here is that they have responded to adversity at least once in a major way so far this year. Um, and like you said, uh, <laughs> the giants just aren't good. Their leadership sucks. So, yeah, I'll take the Raiders. <laughs> I keep laying these points on all these teams, but, uh, yeah, I'll take the Raiders minus the three. All righty. That brings us to our final game, which people care about the most. Jimmy, the Chargers, the Los Angeles Superchargers, who should be in San Diego. I think it's so dumb that they're they're not an L.A. team. They should be in San Diego. Uh, anyway. I used to sing that. that fight song. Do you know their fight song? I forget it. 
I used to go, San Diego, Supercharger, San Diego, <laughs> Chargers. <laughs> that was really good. Yeah, uh, I I like how the Chargers. There's a lot of cool things about the Chargers. I like that you can call them the Bolts too. Like that's a fun thing. Like okay. a fun, you know, because like, the Eagles have the birds. Like you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's cool to have like that secondary nickname. Uh, it's kind of fun. The uniforms everyone talks about yeah. are you know awesome. Um, I just there's something I like about the Chargers. So, uh, but in this game though, I'm not going to take the Chargers to me. I'm going to take the Eagles. Oh yeah, look at that. Okay, it is maybe. I'm weighing recency bias too much in both directions in terms of the Chargers have been struggling. I mean, Justin Herbert has a pass rating in the 60s in his last two games. Not good. And uh, I also think that while I don't know how much meaning is in the Eagles win, it seems like there could be some positive vibes there. And I think the biggest reason, honestly, I'm taking the Chargers this week to me is because I'm a fool and uh, I you know, went out there and I was like, Brandon Staley, he's going to be coach of the year. And then I wrote that article about how, uh, you know, Howie Roseman apparently deterred Brandon Staley from taking the Eagles job in part, not the only reason, but was part of it. And also, you know, I had Justin Herbert as like MVP candidate. And I probably have said at some point, or I have said at multiple points, like Jalen Hurts just doesn't have the arm talent. Like, why would you want him when you could have like potentially you should be striving towards someone like Justin Herbert. So it's only fitting that the Eagles would go out and make me look bad by then beating Justin Herbert and Brandon Staley. Uh, so I feel like that's only destined to happen. They're so, doing it to screw you over, huh? Yeah, spite is the ultimate <laughs> factor, I think, in my picks. And I think the Eagles are going to spite me, and they're going to win this game outright. I got to admit, I was a little nervous uh, heading with like with like a half hour to go um, on the day of the trade deadline because I you know written this article saying, the Eagles should have traded Fletcher Cox. Now they can't. So like I was sweating it out a little bit. Like, like, uh, Oh, are they going to trade him just to spite me? Mm. <laughs> but, uh, like, you know, as we said, they, they kind of couldn't trade him. So they didn't trade him. They tried, uh, but they did. They tr- <laughs> yeah. But they couldn't. So, um, yeah, I have the chargers winning this game. Um, I mean, I've noted all the reasons that I kind of don't like this roster that much. You don't feel great about it, though, do you? I I don't feel great about it. Uh, I think the Eagles can win this game, uh, but I will take the Chargers to win. I'll take the I'll take the two and a half points. You know, with the Eagles, I close guess. Game. I guess yeah, close game maybe. I mean, I, I feel like it's kind of close to like it's close to fifty fifty who wins this game, but I think the Chargers have. I think I mean I talk about like the weaknesses that their roster has, but they have such a big advantage at quarterback um, and at wide receiver. And uh, at running back, um, offensive line is maybe a little bit of a wash, but they do have that big hole on the right side. Uh, anyway, I'm not going to go through all that again. Chargers are a better roster. Uh, Eagles are, you know, still a bad team. Uh, don't want to make too much of what they did against Detroit last week. Uh, so I have the Chargers winning, but uh, again, I, I don't think it's a it's it's a great roster. I think the Chargers are a little fraudy, but I will take them to beat the Birds. All right, Jimmy. There we go. There it is. You don't believe in the Eagles. You're such a hater. <laughs> I can't believe I don't. you would do this. Uh, <laughs> I can't blame you. I mean, Jonathan Gannon's defense has yet to be uh, tested and or yet to be not conquered by like a quarterback who who can is play pretty good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, so that's a big issue. Um, and I get why uh, 
I get why you could take the Chargers. It's, this is hardly like, oh, the Eagles beat the Lions, and I have full faith in them. Again, I think it's just kind of a – I just don't think the Chargers are in a, a good way right now. They're kind of struggling. Maybe they'll break out of it against the Eagles. It's very possible. I kind of agree with you. I do think this will be a close game. But I don't know. I think the Eagles might have something in them. And really, if the Eagles win this game, Jimmy, it's really not insane to think that they are in the playoff picture. Because when you look at the NFC, it's it sucks <laughs> outside yeah. of the top yeah, teams, yeah, yeah. which are very good. Like the seventh seed right now, I believe, is the four and four Panthers, who the Eagles beat. Uh, it's crazy and, that that team would be in right now if the season ended. That team stinks. I, I know. It's like, <laughs> like it shouldn't. What, it's, see, what did the NFL add to that seventh playoff exactly. team for? It's ri- ridiculous. Weakening it's the product. Like Sam Darnold in the playoffs, really? Like <laughs> it's like the Bears made the playoffs last year and easily. Yep. Uh, do you do you remember anything about their playoff game? Other do, than do you even know who blown? they played? They I get, they got blown out by the Saints. Yeah. And Mitchell Trubisky won the MVP, the Nickelodeon <laughs> most valuable player, which is like yeah, which is such like a good like slap in the face. Like here's this award from a kid's show. No, no, just for what? What did he win it for? Because it was like I think it was that people could vote on it. You could, they could just vote on any player, uh, and I think there was like this big <laughs> charge to like vote for him because it's like very, it's like an ironic kind of thing. Yeah, that's funny. the people who were voting. It was supposed to be ironic. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So that was really good. Uh, that's that's so embarrassing. The MVP. Uh, I mean, I, I think it's fun for the kids to have that, but yeah. it's like it's so embarrassing if you're Mitchell Trubisky to sure. like get this yeah, like yeah, very yeah. patronizing award <laughs> after you get blown out in the playoff game. Oh man. Uh, okay, so. That's that's the pod for this week, Jimmy. Do you have any final thoughts? Yeah, I tried a new pizza place in Marlton, and it was oh man, let's hear it. Delicious, Johnny Longhots on Johnny Longhots. Yeah, and it's got like a see, like I sort of had a mis- misconception of what that place. I've driven by it a million times, especially on the way home from uh, Eagles practices. They have mm. like a they have like a jalapeno on like their logo. And I always thought of it as, oh. as like a like uh, um like a I don't know like a spicy. That's not food a jalapeno. It's a long hot, Jimmy. Oh, a long hot. Yeah. Okay. What isn't that? Isn't a jalapeno like a long hot? No. Are they, are they the same family? Crazy. What's that? I mean, I don't know about family, but like they're definitely not the same thing. Like a jalapeno is like rounded, and a long hot's like longer, obviously, and like I don't know, kind of like. Yeah. Uh, okay. I'm looking at word? it right now, but they, they, they look very similar. Jalapeno All right. Anyway, long hot. what's anyway. your point here? I mean, my I thought it was like a spicy food kind of place, but no, it's like a normal like uh, Italian restaurant, uh, Italian pizza place. And I got me a grandma pie, and uh, very I'm seeing that here, very flavorful grandma pizza that they had. Um, so yeah, Johnny Longhans, if you live in the Marlton, or it's actually right on the border of Marlton and Cherry Hill. So if you live in Marlton or Cherry Hill, give them a shot. It's on Route seventy. Yes. Apparently. Yeah. Um, okay. So, Which I said yeah. already, Brandon, on okay. my way home from Eagles practices. <laughs> I said that. I drive by yeah, it every day me. almost. Jerk. You got me. Uh, <laughs> my bad. I got hit with my own thing. Um, I was looking up the the pictures and the reviews and everything while you were saying that. Sorry, it was distracted. Um, okay. So that's your hashtag BGN Good Eats recommendation of the week. Um, my final thought is I don't have any. So uh check out the SB Nation NFL show where <clears throat> we don't only talk about or we talk about the Eagles but we also talk about the league as a whole it's really good stuff you should rate review subscribe uh check out 
the NFC East mixtape, which you can hear on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. It also streams on the Blocking the Boys podcast feed, but why would you listen to it there when you could listen to it here? Uh, much better place to listen to it. A lot of good other content on bleedinggreennation.com and the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed, so make sure you're checking out all of those things in addition to the show you're listening to right now. We appreciate it. Leave a rating and review, as I said, and if you don't know what to say in a review, I was thinking about this, Jimmy. Maybe sometimes people don't know what to say uh, when they're leaving a review. Do you have any recommendations? Yeah, ask, ask us a question about the Eagles. Ask us a question. And we'll yeah. answer it on the podcast. Or even not about the Eagles. It could be yeah, about, about anything. anything. Yeah. Ask us a question in any, the review. Anything you want. We don't even you, we, you don't have to think of us as experts on whatever you ask. Just ask a question about what you care about, and yeah. we'll answer it. Boom. So if you don't know what to say, and you're kind of like, I want to leave a review, but I don't know what to say. Oh, there you go. Ask a question. Any kind of question you want. Okay. So uh, do all that. Make sure you are following me on Twitter and Instagram at Brandon Gowton. Jimmy Kemsky on Twitter at Jimmy Kemsky. Bleeding Green Nation on Twitter at Bleeding Green. BGN Radio on Twitter at BGN underscore radio. Uh, yeah. And I'm at winningyournation.com. Jimmy's at phillyvoice.com. You can check out Rights as Fallon Craft Jerky, BGN Radio sponsor, by going to rightsasfallon.com using discount code BGN15 for 15% off your order. You can also go to roachrealtors.com or call. Oh, sorry. 856-906-9295. If you're looking to buy, sell, or rent a house. Uh, Jimmy? We'll see how the Eagles do this week. Then we'll be back here next week. That's how we do it. Uh, Goodbye. Bye, everybody. (laughs) P-G-N. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Support for this podcast came from SaaS. Data is everything, and now everything is data which means more to process, more to analyze. And now more than ever, speed to answers matters. So how do you produce those answers as fast as the world produces data? With SAS VIA, the quickest way from a billion points of data to a point of view. It's a more productive data and AI platform that helps you get more done. Learn more today at sas.com VIYA.